Hello and welcome to this podcast on reimagining airports for the challenges of the future. My name is Holly and I'm the editor of International Airport Review. For this episode, I was joined by five airport industry experts who discussed all the latest hot topics being debated in the industry, such as digitalization, accessibility, advanced air mobility, personalization of the passenger journey, and workforce and skill shortages, which have been making headlines around the world. All of these experts will be present in person at the International Airport Summit, taking place at Twickenham Stadium in London on the 19th to the 20th of October, 2022. So if you're interested in meeting them in person in London this October, then make sure you register for the summit now. And remember, it is free to attend the summit if you are from an airport, airline or association. But for now, let's get this discussion started. Hello, and a very warm welcome to my first guests of this podcast. I'm joined here by Jean-Sebastien Pard, who is Senior Manager for Facilitation, Passenger Services and Operations, and Thomas Romig, Vice President of Safety, Security and Operations, both from ACI World. So Jean-Sebastien and Thomas, a very warm welcome to you. Thank you for being here. Hi, Holly. Hello. Good to see you. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation. Now, the summer of 2022 has certainly been challenging with a surge in demand for travel, staff shortages and baggage pileups. What is your view of this and how do we learn from this for the future? Well, it's been a really interesting summer for sure. And for those of us who have traveled, it's been a little bit of a challenge at times. But interestingly, and in, in, you know, looking across our global membership, it's been a bit of a regional issue in, to a certain extent. North America, Europe, uh, Australia and some countries in Asia Pacific region have been affected by these workforce challenges that staff sort of shortages. But there's been a number of reasons why this has been happening. To a certain extent, it's the sequence of reopening of borders and the travel restrictions lifting and so on, which happened at various stages across the world. But it's also this quite rapid restart. And I think what some people have been calling the the uh, revenge travel, so to speak, with people, you know, wanting to, to get out and fly around because they've been stuck at home for so long. And then across the industry, not necessarily always been able to be able to respond to that demand in such a, a quick way. So, you know, the workforce issue has actually been something which we've, we've been keeping an eye on for, for as, I guess, um, almost nine, ten months now across at least the airports industry. And one of the big challenges we've seen is that people have changed jobs quite a lot during the pandemic with the the fact that aviation was so hard hit. People left, they went to do other activities. They saw aviation as being a potentially not the most uh, sustainable type of activity to be in with a risk that they wouldn't get, you know, be either hired back or have a job in the future as those closures of borders and as the impacts on the industry continue. We've also seen some challenges in terms of the restart, having uh, long processes for background checks, having uh, long processes for training and, and now bringing in people who haven't been involved in aviation for, for some time or otherwise have uh, actually never been in aviation before, getting them up to speed, getting them to be up to the level of performance that we would expect or that we need to be able to be efficient uh, has definitely been one of uh, the challenges we've been faced with. And so overall, you know, it's now time for us to make the aviation industry attractive again and to get people to come back into this industry and, and keep the, let's say, the aviation spirit going. I think that that's what we're looking at doing. We can also mention that the situation that we've seen during the summer showed that uh, how much collaboration between the various industry stakeholders, airports, airlines, government authorities and others is so critical in an airport environment. Passengers and their baggage journeys are as strong as the weakest link, as we say. So we have seen ineffective alignment between the partners while they were facing rapid recovery of the industry. So maybe one of the other elements that uh, we saw coming. Although pre-travel verification for collecting passenger information was a process that was started much more widely before the implementation, before the pandemic, we've seen a shift towards ensuring that the passengers fulfill prior to their travel and ideally in off-airport operations, in off-airport locations. 
they fulfill those conditions to be admissible to travel. So how can we learn from this for the future? Will we see that digital credentials and contactless passenger processes are being are essential, are an enabler to pre-travel verification initiatives. And again, we've been repeating that for the past decades, maybe, but even more now, future and further collaboration and cooperation between authorities, between the industry partners is key again, and in order to achieve digital travel journeys and improving passenger facilitation and also making sure that there's security throughout the process. Fantastic. Thank you. That was very well put. Um, and I love what you said, Thomas, about uh, revenge travel. I've never quite thought of it quite like that, but uh, you're right. It is back with a vengeance. And Jean-Sebastien, really like what you say about collaboration. I think that's what makes this industry so great. It must be so interesting uh, to work within such a complicated, but uh, yeah, interesting space. Um, now, the industry cannot afford to go over another cliff edge like it did during the pandemic. What do you think will be the key to remaining poised for such an event in the future? Because unfortunately, this probably won't be the last pandemic that we see. So that's an interesting one. And I think, you know, to start with the industry, us, we need to learn from what we've done over the past couple of years. And and this is going to be one of the big topics going forward. It already is, you know, something we've been talking about across the industry is how we can do things differently, how we can look at or learn from some of those experiences. But it's it's really to take that and avoid having these, let's say, kind of seat of the pants reactions <laughs> that we had, you know, doing things quickly and then realizing actually, well, it's much more complicated than the situation we've been in. So, you know, some of the things that we've been looking at doing is is working across the industry with states on a either a single state or multinational type of level at institutionalizing crisis response mechanisms. So bringing those into the global mechanisms that we need to have that coordination across the aviation system. And I'm really talking about the system-wide type of approach, not just the airports, not just the airlines or air navigation service providers, but really having everybody collaborating and coordinating on a global level to be able to monitor new events which may occur. And whether it's a another pandemic type event or whether it's an, another know something else which is massively disrupting to the global transportation network we need to have these types of processes which are now built into the way of working i'd say also on an operational level the industry really broaden its contingency plans and start thinking about or planning what needs to be done in order to react in a more effective in a more efficient and really in a more collaborative or, or cross industry type of approach having contingency plans is something you know looking at an airport we have those already in place that's part of the daily business of an airport is having an airport emergency plan which is developed and rehearsed on a regular basis but being able to do that on an in institutional level across the industry is definitely going to be a great way to be able to respond to this and it's a topic we're taking to ICAO in various forums and various discussions to be able to actually get that global level coordination taking place. So in my perspective, that's what we really need to be doing is, is bringing all the different stakeholders together, the specialists from the different areas that, you know, that are affected by the particular event and having those mechanisms to easily step up and be ready to deal with an event. If I jump in, I feel like a broken record again here, but the pandemic really shown us that there was a need for greater coordination in order to align international responses, even the national responses. These coordination mechanisms enable an understanding of you know, what are their prerogatives, what are the capabilities, or even the limitations in each of the different agencies that are involved and the different stakeholders that are involved in international travel. And the pandemic really showed that it, it can, communicable diseases, it can spread very quickly. And we've seen that uh, in the past two, three years. So a similar approach is actually, as Thomas mentioned, needed also on an airport level, where airport representative need to monitor to make sure that they, they do some surveillance to make sure that they're prepared for a future crisis response. And this is really essential here. The airports need to continue to build their relationships and their networks with various partners, either local partners, regional partners, and national or international partners in order to be prepared, to know what's coming their way, to be able to monitor potential 
health threats or other type of threats and review their business continuity or emergency contingency management plans to make sure to be prepared to respond and to recover from these events. But uh, absolutely, again, uh, collaboration and coordination amongst the different partners. COVID has really shaken up the traditional travel process and added barriers to travel. Predictability went completely out of the window. Nation documentation was required. You could say the fun and joy of traveling was just gone. So why do you think predictable journeys will become more important in the future? And why should airports be thinking about this now? Well, it's funny that you say the fun of travel has gone. Having traveled a lot since taking this job, I guess, two years ago now, I agree, it's complicated. And showing up, like you say, three hours in advance at the airport is not something that you want to be doing on a regular basis because you've got other things to do. Especially, yeah, you, you turn up maybe three and a half hours before and they actually won't let you through. Yeah, and some well, through security or, or you won't even be able to do your check-in because the check-in might not be open until two hours before the flight or something. But anyway, there's, there's all sorts of challenges, right? And the point that you're making is how do we make sure that we can bring predictability back to the passengers because people don't like change, they don't like surprises, they don't like things that they don't know. And to us, this is really one of the things, when I say us, to us as the aviation industry and in particular airports, this is one of the things we need to be focusing on is, is making the journey as predictable as possible so that the passenger knows what to expect. And then in particular, how to prepare for what they are expecting because you know, coming out of this pandemic, we've had new requirements in terms of document checks, new requirements in terms of forms that you need to fill in. And, you know, depending on where you're going, there's vaccination or no vaccination or uh, testing or no testing, sometimes masks, sometimes no masks. It's highly complex and you don't really know what to expect. So what we need to be doing, of course, you know, COVID aside and the pandemic aside, is leveraging the information that we have within the airports, across the community, to be able to capture, share, and then make available the most useful information to the passengers in preparation for their journey. And part of this is really having collaboration on an airport ecosystem level between all the different stakeholders to capture data, to capture information, to be able to bring that together and actually make it into information that we can share to passengers. You know, there's a whole lot of different ways that we can communicate to the, the passengers and on a wider scale to the users of the airport, because there's also all the non-passengers who need to have information. There's uh, various business partners and stakeholders who uh, take more have activities on the airport campuses. And then even if we think a little bit on a broader scale, airlines and aircraft operators using the airport platforms need to also have information in terms of what to be doing and how to be operating. And some of these different tools, applications, well, notifications on smart devices and different types of tools that we can use for, for communicating to passengers are, well, they're really important now, but they'll be even more important as we go forward. You know, one of the things that I've always well, that I've experienced recently, but I've been thinking about for some time in terms of that, and just a, an image or a little story. But when you travel, you often have a bag that you've checked in. How easy would it be, or how nice would it be, I would say, to have on your smart device some information that your bag has been loaded into your aircraft? That means it's sitting under you right now while you're sitting on top of it. When you go through the transfer, or you get a notification saying your bag has been transferred, or oh, sorry, we lost your bag. It's stuck in you know this transfer place. And so when you arrive at your destination, don't go stand in front of the carousel for two hours hoping your bag will come out. Just file a claim by clicking on this button and we'll deliver it to whatever address you put in there. How easy would that be? Probably fairly easy because the data is actually available in many cases. There's a lot of challenges to it, but that would be typically the type of thing that we can do to make it more predictable, to make it easier, and to be able to share that information with our users, our customers in the end. We'll get there. We'll get there, yeah, absolutely. And I think if I can add to that, I think uh, the word for me, predictability in the passenger journey means relieving stress for passengers. So people want to know at what time they should leave, uh, either their home or their workplace to make their way to the airport. What are the, the main questions people ask you all the time is, how much time should I leave the office to be at the airport? 
or how much time should I leave home or call a cab to go to the airport? How much time in advance, maybe not too much in advance because you don't want to stay there for too long, but how much time in advance should I arrive or else it creates undesired bottlenecks? You know, we want to have people on time at airports. We don't want to have people arriving too early because it becomes a logistical challenge. So less stress equals better customer experience, and then it it equals more potential revenues for airports, airlines, and the, the whole industry. So definitely by making a passenger journey more predictable, it's covering that aspect of relieving stress. Yeah, and I can't tell you the number of times we had comments on International Airport Review from you know, average Joe people, the public, just asking us questions about the airport they're traveling to, if they need a test, if they go there, like if they have a testing center, lots of questions. So they obviously didn't know where to go for this information. It's um, a symptom of the time. It really is. Yeah. Mm. And we definitely can be optimizing that. There's an app for that, as they say. So we've been involved uh, in a portal, in an app, and um, you know, providing information from airports to passengers directly. So that was a new thing for us. At the start of the pandemic, we had seen that there was a need for information. And now it's been integrated with Apple Maps. So uh, again, people will be able to access the airport maps and then see details about the measures in place. That's the thing as well. There's so many apps now these days. There's an app for absolutely everything. I have too many of them on my phone. You don't even know which ones to go download and use in the end, don't you? Exactly. Yeah, ones for the airlines, ones for the airports as well. It's just so much. Now, we've talked a little bit about your vision for the utopia of air travel in the future, but I'm interested to know what you think the next challenges will be that we face as an industry. So that's an interesting one, and I'll take a stab at it. And I know JS has some more points to, to add to this, but... Let's say in the short term and in some regions, we're still going to have a, a challenge with workforce. And we're going to have a challenge not just in terms of bringing in sufficient people to be able to cater to the increased demand, but we're also going to be having to look at how those jobs within the airport system are need to be transformed and how they need to, to a certain extent, move from being people doing, let's say, manual type of activities to people doing or working with various automation or various, uh, let's say, innovative technologies, which will actually simplify some of the jobs that we have uh, today or take away some of, let's say, the burden from some of the jobs that we have today across the airport industry. That's going to be an interesting challenge in itself is is really that upskilling and, and transformation that we have of the workforce with, of course, you know, the innovation and, and automation uh, taking place at the same time. There's... A hot topic, uh, which is also being discussed across on a global scale, uh, the decarbonization effort, the net zero commitments, in essence, the sustainable transition of the aviation system. So that's really going to be a big one that, that we're already working on today. You know, more discussions going on uh, here in Montreal with ICAO on a, on a global level and trying to get global consensus for a, a long-term goal, uh, which as an industry, we can all be working towards. And then as part of that, there's also an interesting challenge around climate change. And, and we've talked, you know, part of the disruption this summer, we talked about it a while ago, was the workforce challenge. But there's also a climate challenge that we're having, which has a direct impact on the operation that we have at airports, but in airspace too. Thunderstorms taking place, or let's say stronger type of weather events taking place, which have a direct impact in terms of punctuality and performance. So this, you know, climate change adaptation or climate change resilience is also going to be something to be looking at as we go forwards in the future and looking at how, from an industry level, operations, infrastructures need to be adapted to a certain extent. Well, I guess as airports in certain regions where you're affected by major weather or major natural events, what type of recovery plans and what type of mechanisms we have in place to be able to deal with these types of big events. When you get a, a, you know, a major storm coming through, that can be significantly disruptive to the operation and being able to recover from it quickly, have the right coordination level in place, the right mechanisms in place is, is really critical. So there's going to be some good challenges to be looking at, some good topics to be working on across the industry. 
And that's a little bit. I know there's lots and lots of other areas we're going to have to focus on. There is also new aircraft types uh, that are coming in. Uh, we're seeing major aircraft innovations, mainly in the advancement of the electric propulsion or hybrid propulsion and development of electric vertical takeoff and landing vehicles. This will potentially allow for operations to be utilized more frequently and maybe in more various locations that we see now and compared to what we call the conventional industry, the conventional aircraft industry. On a global level, the growth in the development of uh, eVTOLs or electrical, electrical landing vehicles for either urban, suburban or rural operation is quite exponential. Various types of operations that are using these diverse range of aircraft imply new technology that will support the extension of the aviation ecosystem designed to transport people to transport objects to location that are either not traditionally served by existing modes of transportation or to compete with other existing modes of transportation. So definitely new challenges, new interesting technology coming out of the advanced air mobility sector. Yes, advanced air mobility is a very exciting and much talked about area of aviation. I'm interested to know where are we now in terms of progress as an industry? What more needs to be done if we really want to experience the full benefits of this exciting new mode of travel? So you're right, there is really a tremendous excitement around the potential for advanced air mobility or AAM vehicles, as we call them. That will change the way we travel both within an urban environment or between uh, regions. This market is expected to grow dramatically in the coming years, and it will introduce new mobility solutions and business models to the general traveling public. The world's airspace will become considerably more complex in the future. There will be pressure to continue to rise on air traffic management systems. So in the skies, commercial aircraft will be joined by increased numbers of new aircraft types, unmanned aircraft systems, advanced air mobility vehicles, even suborbital aircrafts or supersonic aircrafts, as we've heard recently. So definitely the industry's vision is to incorporate these new aircraft design in and those new systems technology. This will potentially allow for operations to be utilized more frequently in more locations than we are currently seeing with conventional aircrafts. For airports, definitely this is a, a great opportunity. So ACI really supports the development of this new sector. We see challenges, but we see many advantages that can be gained through the implementation and growth of advanced air mobility equipment and vehicle. There's new opportunities to integrate these vehicles into the operating models and the business models for our members. It will add value to the local communities, to the local businesses, as well as moving the needle into the sustainability area. But this comes with challenges, constructions of ground infrastructures, new vertiports, adapting the current airport infrastructure to accommodate those new vehicles, those new users, has the potential to be quite complex. And especially in the initial phases where we see that there's global regulation and guidance that is not yet formalized. So the infrastructure enabling these new vehicles to exist will need to take into account, for example, apron areas or stands for the handling of the aircraft, uh, new aircraft hangars or maintenance areas, as well as associated recharging or refueling of these uh, new vehicles. So definitely lots of challenges, but we see that the opportunities are quite impressive. Great. Now, Jean-Sebastien, you'll be speaking about uh, some of these topics that we've covered here today at the International Airport Summit this October. So tell me, why is it you've chosen to speak with us at the summit? 
Well, first, I was looking forward to reconnect with friends, with airport uh, colleagues, with partners at the summit. I'm uh, speaking on um, two panels and uh, looking to uh, talk about the latest ACI best practices on how airports can provide greater accessibility to all. So we will speak about the uh, new ACI initiative around accessibility. I don't want to give the, the surprise yet because uh, we will announce something uh, very shortly. But for sure, the connections with airport colleagues and partners is one of the major highlights. So apart from the accessibility panel, I'll be also supporting the discussions on better passenger experience by digital solutions. So looking at the, as we talked about the predictability a little bit and looking at the digital transformation in the passenger journey. And finally, I'll be moderating a panel on integrating advanced air mobility solutions into airport operations. So uh, looking forward to hear from the speakers of uh, this very exciting uh, and complex area. So I invite all our listeners today to join uh, the summit and meet us at the stadium for all the insights. Great. Very much looking forward to seeing you. And finally, Thomas, you're also speaking at the summit. So perhaps I'll ask you, uh, what session are you most looking forward to? Well, that's a really good question. But of course, I'm going to have to give the answer being the session that I have the pleasure to moderate. And thanks for asking me to step up to this one, to the keynote session, which will be the opening of the event. I think it's going to be a fantastic session looking at how do we reimagine airports for the challenges of the future. Some of those things we were just talking about during the last 20 minutes or so we'll be covering here, of course, you know, sustainability, the challenges in terms of innovation and driving change across the industry, some of the workforce issues and so on, climate change. There's going to be lots of different topics looked at. But really, to me, it's looking into the future and how do we build some of those challenges and opportunities or how do we look at some of those challenges and opportunities and then really focus on some of the key issues that we have in the industry. I think it's going to be an excellent discussion and looking forward to seeing also lots of friends and colleagues at the event. So I'll just echo what Jay and Jean-Sébastien just said You know, to all the listeners who are listening to our little podcast here be at the event it's going to be brilliant and we really look forward to seeing you all there thanks holly absolutely yeah as an industry we have a lot to discuss and a lot to catch up on so very much looking forward to seeing you both and uh, thank you for your time brilliant thank you thank you i will now come to marlon vandermeer who is ceo of bags id network marlon a very good morning to you and welcome to this podcast Likewise. Good morning to you. What an interesting summer it has been for the industry. The summer of discontent, it has even been called, with cancelled flights, big queues and missing bags. I'm sure you have been watching with interest. So I'd like to know from you what went wrong and what do you make of it all? Hmm. You're obviously the queen of understatements uh, because it was basically the summer of hell and a lot has gone wrong. And I dislike to say it, but we saw it coming, actually because this was not something that came after the pandemic. There was a long before that, innovation in baggage was already due. And with staffing, understaffing being the number one cause of this problem, that was not a surprise for us at all. Um, it was not an interesting job. People didn't like doing it or underpaid. So to say that it was uh, unexpected and sudden, I think it's very weak from the industry. Baggage innovation, rethinking the baggage process is, is, is long overdue. And uh, we got phone calls from all over the world. So it illustrated the necessity of rethinking baggage. And I know you yourself have actually lent a hand um, loading bags onto the plane. So I just like, would like to know from you, is this a really hard job that you actually genuinely think that no one would like to do if they had a job? Yeah, actually it is. Of course, I only did it a couple of times, both in uh, containers and in the belly of the beast. It is a hard job. It's rough, high pressure, uh, lifting bags uh, above your head. But also on the other hand, and not even on the platform, but the ground handlers or agents that had to deal with basically blue screen solutions that are, are there for years. Every single bag, reuniting it with an owner, takes a lot of effort. So it's not only physically 
handling the back. It's also using systems that, that are basically not of this century anymore. And what should airports and airlines lessons learned be from all this, in your opinion? Uh, first of all, hopefully there will be a lot of self-reflection. But for what they have learned, I think they should all stop talking about customer or passenger experiences. Wow. I'm so fed up with the word passenger experience. You don't want to know. It's a horrendous term, actually. I really hope that they see there is a lot of technology available at hand to solve a lot of problems. But the number one thing we should do to regain trust from passengers is to take them seriously. Basically, go to Twitter, go to Instagram or whatever, and you will find stories of people, how they were treated by airlines. Quite honestly, get out of the ivory towers and do it differently. Why can Amazon do it perfectly and drop a bag to your doorstep, keep you informed along the way? And we have to deal with a couple of bags, investing a lot of money in hardware, conveyor belts, and we just don't have the spirit yeah, to get a five-star ranking. We don't care about the passenger. Baggage handling is not important. And what are the immediate priorities in the short term with regards to baggage handling then? We, we need to accept that, that understaffing is a permanent thing. These people will not come back. And if they come back, strikes will occur. And, and we believe that this is not a business for people. So they need to focus on digitizing the process, robotizing the process, make it more autonomous. But above all, give the passengers tools to be informed, to communicate directly with them. Because this publicity nightmare was basically caused, not because of the bags were gone, but there was a so much lack of communication with the passenger. There was no interaction at all. People were desperate. People got very creative to get their bags back. I actually think we should look very carefully at how organizations like IATA um, give certain rules on baggage processes. But we need to accept that process is not good and it causes more trouble than it creates, if you wish, a great passenger experience. So the first thing we need to do is accept that and work towards a future that it becomes future-proof with an excellent performance, which can be done today. Amazon can do it. Why can't we? And looking longer term, what needs to be done? What, what is your vision for the future then? If you say in 20 years time. Yeah, oh, in 20 years time. In 20 years time, people are happy to check in their bags. They are really happy. And they will be traveling if it's with all kinds of fuels and whatever. It's a more sustainable future. But they are happy to check in bags. Right now, people don't check their bags. There is a lot of anxiety to do that. It gives them stress and causes a lot of problems. But my long-term future is very clear. We need to digitize this whole process, rethink it all over, and use the existing infrastructure because it doesn't make sense to rethink all, all what we already have because we still physically need to move bags. But no, uh, more intelligence needs to be uh, added to the whole mix. And just to pick up on something you said around anxiety around checking in luggage, I know we're going to the US, both you and I, uh, quite soon. Yeah. And to be honest, I've chosen not to check in my bag. I'm taking carry-on luggage because I just don't have the confidence that the bag will come out on time. Because last time, my bag was the last one out on the belt and I had to run <laughs> for my next flight. <laughs> So your gala dress uh, will be in your backpack then? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I actually, uh, I hear that a lot, even from airline executives. And you're not going to pick up your goods at Amazon uh, as well. Huh? Uh, it's being brought to your doorstep. So as long as this is the mindset, I'm not checking my bag. We need to restore that trust. And we can do so. Everything is there to do it. We are missing one thing is the willingness for change. And that's something that needs to resonate to the ivory towers. Now they have to pay a lot of uh, claims and passenger trust is nowhere. Now, I know I said think about 20 years time, but I'm just interested to know what is your utopian view in 100 years time in that case? Of course, one thing is for sure. I always say there are a couple of things that we are certain of, that we will die, that we have to pay taxes, and that people will travel. 
and they will travel with banks. So it's not an option to ignore that. We need to come with solutions. Of course, aviation will change. The way we travel probably will change. But in my world and the projects we are working on, if you go to an airport, just leave your bag. Today, a lot of queues and a lot of congestion started because we still need to label them. We still need to weigh them. We still need to check them in. We still need to screen them. And if we can get away from all those hurdles, which can be solved, the experience on an airport is something completely different as it is right now. Because today I feel like a little piggy that's going to the slaughterhouse. And that's not a very good thing. Now, we are very much looking forward to seeing you at the International Airport Summit. But what are you most looking forward to, Marlon? And what are you looking forward to discussing? What I would like to hear and like to see is how airlines and airports obviously handled the crisis and the, and the big infarcts. I've heard great stories because I sound negative, but I've heard some fascinating stories of airlines that took matters in their own hands, thought outside the box, um, delivered an awesome performance, but a performance that was never seen by the bigger audience. And that's annoying because I know they did so much. Hopefully they will share those ex experiences. And of course, that comes with some self-reflection. And I hopefully that self-reflection is resonating uh, or at least is echoing that we need to accept a new reality with all of us. This is a critical tipping point in traveling with baggage. And luckily, I don't have to explain it anymore. The press did all the work. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Marlon. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. And we're very much looking forward to meeting you in person in the summit in London in October. And last but certainly not least, I come to Kirk Goodlett, who is Director of Facilitation and Product Development, and Trevor Strom, who is Director of Digital Airport Solutions, both from Winnipeg Airports Authority. Great to have you both, and thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. Trevor, perhaps I'll come to you first. As Director of All Things Digital, why do you think it is important that airports invest in digitalization? Is it a case of digitize or die? Thank you very much for that question. And I really think that it's more of a case of digitize to thrive, or that's how we really look at it. And digitization is really important on many levels for airports to pursue. For example, it's really important for the passenger, not the least because passengers are expecting a more seamless digital travel experience. And many other aspects of um, their life, including banking and other things are going digital. And so we want to be able to offer a similar experience. Also digitalization can lead to more pleasurable and personalized travel experiences. We also see digitization and digitalization as important for the airport as an organization. This is because it can give us better data for decision-making. We can use this information and the digital tools that we have to streamline business processes, streamline decision-making, and in fact, applying process automation. And finally, with the tools and the data that we have, we can reduce silos between business units and increasing collaboration between business units that might uh, sometimes work in isolation. It's also important for our stakeholders, including airlines, ground handlers, shippers, you name it. Because without exception, our partners are all going through their own digital transformation experience and are continuing to adopt new technologies. And certainly, Digitalization improves the interconnectivity and better information sharing between the partners that we have at the airport. And finally, digitalization is important for our community. First of all, because the more seamless from a digital perspective that we are as an airport, it will continue to enhance our growth and development opportunities, which at the end of the day, benefits our community. But also sort of as a growing tech hub, our efforts to pursue digitalization can create opportunities for students and it can create innovation opportunities for technology companies within our community. And so to this extent, 
we actually strive to uh, find local technology partners, local technology students and education organizations who understand us, who want to work with us and help us grow overall as a community. So I think that really from all those uh, different perspectives, we really are pursuing this policy of uh, digitize and thrive. Great. So would you say then in that case that airports should really be looking to digitize, otherwise risk being left behind? Yeah, absolutely. I think that is the risk is that if airports don't pursue digitalization, partners and growth opportunities will look elsewhere. Great. And where is Winnipeg on its digital transformation journey, would you say? I'd say right now we're really in the thick of our uh, digital transformation journey. We're currently working with our organization, all the various business units to help identify the digital ambition that each of our departments and business units have and trying to understand where they want to go on their digital journey. Then we're working to identify what technology platforms as a whole that we will require to provision the systems and data that will be required by our various business units, user groups, stakeholders, and other partners. As we look through that, we're also working to define our own IT operating and support model so that we can enable the digital transformation of the Winnipeg Airports Authority and really support this evolution from IT purely thinking about technology and projects to really about delivering business value and supporting the cultural changes that we're going through as an organization as well. And do you subscribe to the belief that airports should build with bytes rather than bricks? For example, should they look at getting more out of their existing infrastructure via digitizing processes and processing passengers quicker and with better and more modern technology? Is this possible, but perhaps to only a certain extent? Or am I taking a rather utopian view of this? I think it's uh, possible and um, I really think it's important to do. Digital will provide us the opportunities to get more value out of our current investment in bricks and mortar by helping improve input, maybe attracting more people to the airport by facilitating improved throughput throughout our facilities and as well as improving input. So, you know, for example, we can use technology to optimize and improve passenger flow and perhaps reducing queues at various uh, choke points throughout the organization. We can use digital to increase revenue from our existing facilities, from increased personalization of services to new digital services. And just overall, how do we make better use of the physical footprint that we currently have with, and maybe better placing of our current concessions? Uh, we can use technology to decrease aircraft turnaround time so we can get, uh, you know, we can reduce delays and, and perhaps even improve the efficiency of our gating and managing higher capacity at our airports. So really putting all these different things together, we can get the most performance out of our current physical assets uh, in terms of passenger volumes, energy efficiency, and really overall investment. And I want to touch upon what you just said about reducing queues because there's the argument that digitalizing processes can well, when it reduces queues, it reduces crowding. So this is a, obviously a health element that we've definitely been thinking about during the pandemic. So Kirk, I'm interested to get your opinion on all of this. Do you think digitalization will help protect the health and safety of passengers and staff in the event of another pandemic, which sadly might be the case? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think there's always a, a risk that another COVID or communicable disease could, could affect our industry again. And that's a sad reality, which we have to grapple as an industry. I think that technology and digitization isn't a panacea. It's not a cure-all. And I think one of the challenges is choosing the right technology to incorporate into your operational environment or into the flow of passengers. And so it's quite easy to say, I want 10 e-gates here or 15 kiosks there. But if it doesn't integrate into a process that makes sense and is intuitive for passengers, then the efficacy of the technology, it's not going to be as effective in its application. On the other hand, there are things that we can do as airports to really help secure the, the health and safety of passengers and employees at our airports. But it, it does start with defining problems properly. My colleague Trevor just spoke about innovation. And I think part of that is really defining a problem first 
and leveraging technology or technologies to solve that problem. So in some ways, they're great technologies to ensure the health and safety of passengers, but it has to be done carefully. And just a comment about things like the elevator button. So an app to call an elevator. That's an example of, I think, overdoing technology. I think it's a really a case in which we don't need an application to call an elevator. You can simply just use your knuckle or your finger to press the button. So that's where technology doesn't really make much sense. It's much easier and intuitive to press a button. However, for document authentication or boarding processes, of course, leveraging biometrics, and there's a lot of power in our passports, that is where the use case makes total sense. Absolutely. Trevor, I see you nodding along there. Do you have anything you want to add? No, I I agree. And I I think that, you know, uh, from a technology perspective, we do get bombarded in IT with different technology requests. Some of them, you know, come from a, you know, very well thought out problem and, you know, are addressing, you know, operational and business needs. Um, Sometimes it's a shiny thing that someone saw at a conference, they come back and want us to implement something. And, uh, you know, having, you know, IT solutions to real problems is key for my team to be able to just keep up with the demand and deliver the solutions that add value. And just touching upon that point, Kirk, that you made about the uh, elevator button, is is there any examples um, of anything like that that you thought was a good idea at the time, you implemented it and then thought, oh, this was a bad idea and kind of retracted that? Do you have any good stories for me? I have a story and I know a lot of airports did this, but it really had to do with what was known about COVID in the early days in 2020. And I use the example of UV light. And there are lots of vendors, lots of airports and airlines that started leveraging UV technology everywhere in the terminal, whether that was on handrails and on escalators or in elevators or elsewhere throughout the the passenger facing areas. That's one that I often question just because now we know that COVID is very much so aerosol borne and in the air as opposed to on surfaces. And so, of course, we didn't know that in early 2020, but that is a, a technology that might be, I would say, questionable to, to invest, at least as far as my perspective goes. Great. Another area that airports have started working on, of course, is making airports more accessible to all. I think airports have become acutely aware of this since the pandemic when their revenues plummeted so much, because if you're not accessible, you're cutting out such a huge amount of potential travellers. And statistically, all of us can expect to live, I think, for eight years with a disability is what I've been told. So Why is it important that airports consider this? Kirk, I know this is something you're quite passionate about. Yeah, I'm I'm very passionate about um, making our airports barrier-free and really trying to drive consistency across airports for the customer passenger experience. The other statistic that I usually go to is, in Canada anyway, in 2020, the oldest baby boomer turned 74, while the youngest turned 56. And so if we look at the rate at which populations are aging, just reduced mobility alone is a significant challenge to airports. We are capitally intensive entities that are costly to renovate and change infrastructure. So to what degree will this aging population require more elevators or moving devices? How big are they or how big should they be to move people from one floor to another? So it's a serious problem with which airports need to grapple now for the next five and 10 years from now. What we're doing in Winnipeg, there are a couple things that um, we are doing. And and part of that is on the passenger facing side. So we are the first airport in North America to launch a fully autonomous wheelchair program from check-in through security and to the gate. We do see automation as a key way in which we can deliver a more autonomous experience, but provide autonomy to our passengers. And so we're partnering with Will on that to deliver that product to our people. On another note, we are uh, leading the charge, so to speak, by creating an accessibility working group among Canadian airports. So Winnipeg is the founding chair of that group, whose purpose and mandate is really to drive consistency across our very vast air transportation network and system. So we're, we're very proud of that. Ongoing consultation with persons with 
with disabilities through our accessibility advisory committee that represents advocacy groups. So lots of work going on in this space, Holly. I think when it comes to accessibility at airports, it's really about identifying removing and preventing barriers from being introduced into our environment. And so that's just a continuous improvement project. And it really starts by creating a dialogue about the importance of accessibility and disability awareness. And Trevor, where do you come into this? I imagine that you probably work quite closely with Kirk on these kind of projects. There's a much crossover. Frankly, Kirk and I work uh, very close together on a lot of different projects, and we we really need to because uh, one of the things that Kirk had uh, mentioned was really about value, and and that's one of the main concerns I've got uh, with IT is that making sure that the solutions that we implement, the investments that we make are driving value, that they are supporting passenger facilitation. At the end of the day, the work that we're doing makes the passenger experience just that much better. Fantastic. Trevor, you will be speaking on the topics we have mentioned today at the International Airport Summit. But tell me, which session, other than your own, of course, are you most looking forward to? I'd say any session that Kirk's speaking of. No, but seriously, (laughs) (laughs) seriously, I'm really looking forward to that session on airport business resilience and agility because having gone through the pandemic and having seen the impact on the business, seeing the impact that it had on, you know, our IT team and and needing to trim back staff and still, you know, maintain a certain level of operation, you know, having a very reduced team. Because I mean certainly with IT, you know, we can't shut everything off. We need to keep you know, certain things going all the time. And so, you know, I'm interested in understanding how airports can maintain business resiliency. And, you know, hopefully, you know, should we be in the position to have another, you know, pandemic like we're in now that uh, we've been able to take these lessons learned and and really smooth things out a little bit in terms of our ability to maintain uh, service and support. And Kirk, you will also be joining us in London. Why is it important that airport professionals such as yourself come together at summits like ours? It's so important that we come together in person in particular. I know over the last couple of years, technology like Zoom and Teams have been really, really helpful. But there is no replacement for in-person connectivity and networking opportunities. What I love about these events like the summit in October is that it provides an opportunity to share some of our best practices, but also to highlight what's not going well. I think we like to advertise all the things that we do well as airports, but it is important to learn from each other. And and sometimes that means sharing what isn't going that well at our airports. And I find the in-person opportunities to do that are just so plentiful. And so I'm very excited to join you and the rest of the team in October in London, and I can't wait. Great. Thank you both so much for your time. And I look forward to seeing you both in uh, Twickenham in October. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. This has been a really interesting discussion, which touches on a lot of the topics that will be up for debate at the International Airport Summit taking place at Twickenham Stadium this October. I'm really excited to meet the speakers in person and to continue the discussion on the topics that matter most to our industry. If you haven't already, make sure you book now to secure your place and don't miss out because trust me, you will. Thank you for tuning in and I look forward to seeing you all in person at the summit. Mm